0: Well, I can't wait to meet our host. I hear this is only one of his beat parties. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come, we'll come back to me. Hey, and welcome to Too True to Lie with Harry Day. Um... Today's episode will be multifaceted, but we're going to focus on overall Babylon. But I want to focus on the modern Babylon, which is, you know, the world's big cities, the, the metropolises, the megapolises, you know, the big cities where you lose touch with Mother Nature where you lose touch with your roots, where you're surrounded by brick and concrete and steel and lots of people living above you and below you and to your left and to your right and to your forward and to your rear. And in these scenarios where you have moved to and become accustomed to or you were born into and raised, in these scenarios, these cities, these uh modern Babylons and we'll and we'll jump back into original Babylon Babel Babylonia, and why the Jews um define Babylon as the way the way they do <clears throat> and really, I almost haven't found a connection in between the two, but it's there, and it's in the Bible, and so we're gonna tackle this as best i can with as little notes as i have and as unprofessional as i am doing this it's all learning um this curve may be pretty arced you know we're we're in we're in an era now a short era we hope of of the uh coronavirus and social distancing and can you imagine i live in the country i have i have two neighbors and though I see them often, I love them and they love me and we get along. But I don't have 20 neighbors and I don't have 100 neighbors and I don't have 10,000 neighbors and I don't have 1 million neighbors. Think about living in the heart of Mexico City or New York City. Right now, would you want to be in the heart of New York City where, where the coronavirus has become ground zero? That's That's kind of a rough term to throw on New York. Where it has become the epicenter, you know. If if I was saying Los Angeles, it that epicenter, or San Francisco, you'd think earthquake. Um, you think New York, you think Ground Zero, <clears throat> which is which would harken back to 9/11 and not earthquakes. But we're gonna try to uh, discuss Babylon, and and we're gonna do a brief history on Babylon, and then I'm gonna try to connect it to the modern Babylon, which would be your big cities, and and what goes on there, and how they are mostly, and not, not all, we don't want to stereotype, but how they have mostly become slaves to the lifestyle of the city, and man and woman around them, and, and how they've lost touch with Mother Nature, and with God. And I'm not trying to be preachy and be a preacher here, but it's somewhat of a fact. And so, now that I've hit my four-minute mark of introduction, which has become a norm, it seems like, let's talk about the origination of Babylon. In the Bible, in Genesis... There was a city known as Babel, B-A-B-E-L, which became known as Babylon. This city, you know, long ago, before Christ, was in present-day Iraq, and a lot of uh, historians agree that it was about 60 miles, roughly, south of Baghdad, along the... uh, Tigris and Euphrates rivers. It was on one of them, directly on one of the rivers. <clears throat> as as most uh, uh, old cities were, you know, the river was a source of water, a source of food, a source of uh, cleanliness, a source of travel. So in Genesis... It was considered a man by the name of Nimrod, which is fitting, and perhaps some of his friends that went to this place. They say they migrated to Shinar to establish a city and a tower, the Tower of Babel. And it was a place where the human race was united and they spoke of one language but it wasn't going the way God wanted it to go so he halted construction of the Tower of Babel and scattered humanity or those that were there across the earth and confused their communication so that they were unable to understand each other in, in the same language and so breaking this down God took those that were building the Tower of Babel at this site known as Shinar. And as they built this tower, which was to be some sort of beacon, um, it went against God's wishes, and so he spread them out and made them all speak different languages. And I guess from there forward, we had war and pestilence. (laughs) Um, In the Hebrew Bible... and and this was also in history, um, the Babylonians, much later in history, rounded up all the Jews and made them go to one place to live. And in that time, through Psalms, I believe, a story was written about this uh, event of the Jews being persecuted, rounded up, and sent somewhere. I, I don't have it in front of me. But uh, Jewish tradition states that Babylon symbolizes a an oppressor against what the righteous believers must struggle against. In Christianity, Babylon symbolizes worldliness, but also evil. And uh sometimes kings of Babylon are linked with Lucifer. Now Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon and supposedly had the uh, hanging gardens of Babylon constructed for his wife but there's never been any proof of this and it was one of the seven wonders of the world at one time and I guess still but it's never been found the site was the foundation of the site supposedly has been found but there's arguments over to where it whether it's in Iraq or whether it's where the Assyrians used to live which was near Israel nonetheless babylon has be- had become long long ago a symbol for a uh, bad for evil for um you know not godly ways um and there's no use uh sticking around on that because we've we've stated what its' what its uh what its origination is now in the biblical psalms, there was a hymn of the Jewish people in exile after the Babylonians conquested jerusalem, and this was about five hundred and eighty six b c It was when kings David and Solomon were ruling Israel, one in the north, one in the south. They were all conquered, and a uh, song came up, and this song is the song that was uh, recorded by some Rastafarian Jamaicans, and this was around 1970, and it would not be, they wouldn't play the song on the radio, and it was almost direct quotes from the Bible, and the producer went to the government and, and tried to explain to them what was going on. So that they let them release the song to a Jamaican radio and within three weeks it was number one. This was in the nineteen seventy 1970 to nineteen seventy two reason. And the song was used in Jimmy Cliff's movie, The Harder They Come. And you need to look this movie up, The Harder They Come. It's about a gangster Rastafarian, Jimmy Cliff plays the lead singer, and that that movie and Jimmy Cliff and that song The Harder They Come, um, put reggae on the map worldwide, pretty much. Um, I saw Jimmy Cliff when I lived in Charleston in a small club. I mean, it wasn't real small, but it wasn't a huge club. It wasn't a huge venue. And he was amazing, and he looked ageless and timeless, but he stared at the ceiling. All I saw was at the whites of his eyes the entire time he sang – it's like he was staring up at his eyelids looking up and he sang all the songs and they were fantastic. He didn't do rivers of Babylon, I don't think. He did all his songs. But but some of the rivers of Babylon songs, the the, 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 the refrain, the, the standard lyric or the chant was by the rivers of Babylon there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. They carried us away in captivity requiring of us a song now how shall we sing this, the Lord's song in a strange land? And then let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight over thy. And it was sung <laughs> with a strong melodic resemblance to How Dry I Am, which was a cheeky U.S. song from who knows how long back. And, I, you know, now that I think about it, I'm just, I'm just talking about Babylon and then I'll bring up this song, and, and I'm looking up Wikipedia stuff, and I'm sitting here drinking my uh, my uh, Arizona green tea. Oh, I drank too much. <clears throat> um, I did write them an email trying to get, uh, get them to run a commercial on my show, and I haven't heard back. <laughs> I'm still waiting though. I'm gonna keep on waiting, right? <clears throat> but now we're gonna jump immediately into this modern Babylon deal that I wanted to get into in the first place. And and this is a theory I've had for a long time. And again, this goes back to one of my uh one of my not psychotic listeners, one of my uh <laughs> one of my repeat listeners uh, he's, I, mean, I don't want to call him a fan because he's a good friend of mine he's not really a fan although he's a fan of the show and he enjoys listening to it I guess gosh my chair is squeaking like crazy sorry guys um, he's an avid listener how about that but he said won't you do a show because I always ask about ideas I'm open to any ideas Day at usa.com email me ideas. My, my buddy Todd down in, uh, Hattiesburg outside of Hattiesburg has given me a few ideas and I've never met him, but, uh, he's acted like a friend and, and what more do you have to ask of someone to be a friend than have one act like one? And, and my friend dreads the same way, but anyway, he says, why don't you do a conspiracy theory? And and I might have touched on some here and there in in previous episodes, but the only one I could really think of which went with the current times was your modern Babylon. You know, I'm looking on the news and seeing how New York City is the epicenter now of uh, the coronavirus and the disease and the uh, people who have contracted it. And, you know, the over a thousand people have died from it, and the number's just going up. Country singer Joe Diffie from the 80s, 1980s, he was a big influence on people like uh, like a uh, big green tractor guy. What's his name? I went, no, I didn't go see him. I saw Eric Church. Uh, Jason Aldean. Joe Diffie was a big, he, I mean, he was an influence on a lot of people and he's at 61 died of complications of coronavirus and john prine whom all of you have heard of i'm sure is in intensive care right now with coronavirus and uh of his age and knowing his drinking and smoking past you know it'll be a miracle if he pulls out of it and that's just my opinion and i hope that he does but i don't think we've heard the last of this coronavirus with our elderly and our uh you know, people and and people that we that we look up to, finding out that they're human, and and getting taken before it's time, or maybe it just is their time. But this big city thing, these big cities, where people come from all around to live, and I, I've known people that have moved to big cities like to Atlanta and to New York City. And I've lived outside of LA and San Diego, and I've been to San Francisco, and I've been to, you know, Chicago. I've been to, you know, a lot of the big cities in this country. Um, The bigger they are, and the denser they are, I mean, people live on top of each other in, in in skyrise apartment complexes where who knows how many people live in this one building, and they don't know each other, and they don't talk to each other. Some do. But most don't um you've heard how, how cold it can be and I'm not talking about temperature in big cities and and, and like I, I'm living, living in Orange County in between Los Angeles and uh, San Diego, for a coastal community, this was considered small town. Even there in grocery stores, if I talked to someone in the grocery store line, they looked at me like I was going to follow them home and break into their house and steal everything they own and kill them. And I'm not even exaggerating. People would turn around and walk away. Even if they were in line and they had one item, they would just get wide-eyed. If I turned and said, hey, how's your day going? And they they would freak out. And I've experienced this big city phenomenon that I'm tackling here. But uh, the big city living takes the connection of Mother Nature and of God and of your relationship with the planet. It it takes it away from you. It severs the cord. And you are no longer in touch with what this planet was and, and what a majority of it is, like in the oceans where we are far, farther down the food chain once you get in that water, especially oceans. And we can't just stay in that water and survive for a length of time. It's out of our element. And if you're living in a city, you can you go out to the country, you may feel like that. You may need the noise and the sounds and and the pollution I don't know if you've heard of Los Angeles Lung LA Lung or if you've lived in Los Angeles for so long that you, you have a brown to black residue in your lungs from the smog because that valley just doesn't flush out that often except when the Santa Ana winds come out in the fall from the mountains and they blow everything offshore and then you have this orange haze out over the ocean which is cool when the sun sets but that's about it and I remember being in San Francisco and, and getting uh, upper respiratory uh, infection from walking the streets and riding the trolley cars all over town for a week because of the pollution. Because I, I just wasn't used to such a concentration of pollution. <clears throat> and you wonder about these people. They move to these cities and they get used to all this pollution and they get used to the crime and And the cold-heartedness and the impersonal behavior and all the homeless people, and you become disassociated and you become disjointed and you become callous to humanity and to mother nature and to the creator and it, and you may you may be agnostic and you may be an atheist, and that's your right and i and I'm not going to try to change you, I want you to believe in what you believe. But you've got to think that this planet of all the stars and planets in this universe or in the solar system, for us to have the miracle of life with the perfect ingredients to sustain life for as long as we have, it's amazing. And it's not by chance. It's not an accident. You know? and and I have a challenge that i no, I don't have a challenge forget that I would like to see and 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 I get a good uh a good little nugget of information once in a while from my friend Brian who is a uh, medic he's a he's a cinematic now he works on television shows and movies wherever they film these uh shows and films. They have to have a, a medic from the moment people clock in to start setting up to the moment they're done breaking down. He has to be there. So if someone gets hurt, he's there to help them in a medical fashion or a medical whatever way. Now, he's worked with people from all over the country, New York, Los Angeles, New Orleans, um atlanta and i always ask him what's what do you usually have to do and it's like it's like when i asked our his and my friend judson who's a madison policeman you know what do you what call do you run the most and he's like uh being a parent i'm like what do you mean being a parent he's like well you know kids are always calling us on their parents because they can't get their way and parents are always calling us on their kids because their kids won't listen I'm like, you gotta be joking. He's like, nope. That's the majority of the calls we run in Madison. I was like, well, I guess that's gotta be a good thing in in one way because there's no violent crime going on, and no shootings and 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 carjackings and stuff. And he goes, yeah, yeah. There's very little of that. But I, but then at the same time, it's kind of a sad uh, shade of of society that parents can't get control of their kids and be parents. Be parents, kids. I mean, be parents to your kids. Kids aren't listening to this show. And if you are, don't listen to the ones marked explicit. So I asked Brian, let me jump back. I asked Brian, what is the main thing you have to do on set? And he laughs and he's like, mostly I hand out Band-Aids and aspirin or Tylenol. I'm like, well, I could see that, you know, just simple things. And he goes, another thing I do, though, is since I'm from here and I'm always just offset, just hanging out, you know, I get to talk to a lot of people. And a lot of people from here are scared that that aren't from here that come here to film in Mississippi or Louisiana, where he does a majority of his work. They come from these cities and they come to the country and they're looking around and and, and I'm I'm studying them and I find out that they're worried about snakes and they're worried about mosquitoes and they're worried about poison ivy. Those three things are their biggest fear when they come to a rural state to film a project. That and their organic uh, wheat germ... uh, What's the stuff that but no one wants in their bread, even though they don't know about it in the first place? I can't think of it because it's it, was, it never was a thing. Uh, anyway, they're all vegans. They're all um, vegetarians. A lot, a lot of the Los Angeles people are. A lot of the Californians are. Um. So we so say. We hit this this coronavirus thing that's going on now, and we're so lucky that all the food providers are still doing their job and that all the uh, the shipping industry, like the trucking industry, that they're doing their jobs delivering the food because when the food goes down... What do these people in modern Babylon, aka New York City, Los Angeles, do for food? When they run out, A, they're living in the middle of a city. They can't hunt. Maybe they start eating dogs and cats. Maybe they try to find a place to fish. Don't bet on it. What happens is they get hungry. And when they get hungry, they'll do whatever they got to do to eat. And if they can't protect themselves good enough, then the next guy, that's the same way out to get something to eat, like maybe some thugs with guns or some angry neighbors with bats that are bigger than you. They're going to come take your food. And if you don't have any food, they may leave you alone, but if you do, they're going to take it. If you fight for it, you might die or you're going to have to kill them. It's just a fact of what could happen if the food industry goes down. People live in cities. A majority of them do not know how to grow food. They do not know how to harvest meat. And then how to clean it. And and, and uh, produce it? No, what's the word? And, and process it. You know, they're going to start eating leaves off trees. Like starving deer. You know, they'll probably start... <laughs> eating rats and raccoons like they did in Vicksburg during in the Civil War during the 46 day siege. They're eating whatever they could find. They're eating dead horses, they're eating uh, rats, cats, dogs. You live in the city, you don't do things for yourself anymore. You have your job and your work, but you go out to eat or you get takeout food or you get your processed food from the market. You're in the modern Babylon, people. You have your clothes cleaned and folded for you or dry cleaned. You have your shoes or boots repaired for you or you buy new ones. The service industry rules supreme in Babylon. And God bless them because they're working and they're providing a service just trying to live a life, you know, make a living. And that's what everyone else is doing. And maybe that's where you have to go. To make a living, and you know from my point of view, the more people in the cities, the better because i'm I'm not in the cities I'm out in the country I've got a garden planted right now I've got a pea patch that I'm planting in stages right now. I've got six deer in three freezers, already processed into burger, sausage, and steak like meat cuts of meat. I'm not going to tell you my address when the food industry goes down. I'm not going to tell you how many guns I have or how many uh, rounds each one holds. But I can believe you, me. It's a long way up my driveway to me and Greg's house. And we are armed and we can shoot straight. And you may make it up our driveway, but are you going to make it back out? This is sounding so harsh, and I'm not meaning to be harsh. But uh, you know, someone said talk about a cons- a conspiracy theory, and it's really not a conspiracy theory, it's a it's a theorem I have of big cities taking the uh human survival skill out of your brain. You might be able to survive on the streets to get to and from where you live. And where you work, and maybe your favorite restaurant or three. How's that going to happen when the power's out, and there's gangs rolling around, taking what they want? You're going to get hungry in two, three days. You can go a few weeks without eating much, but you got to have water. So I guess, do you trust your tap water? I trust my tap water. You know, I don't know. I mean, people that buy bottled water, just it's. A, unfathomable unless you live down in Jackson which is south of here they have a pretty poor water system you know put a put a filter on your sink and you're good to go I put a filter on my sink anyway but that's because my uh my water lines got broke got cracked so many times when they were building my house because the morons who dug the line I told them go yeah you have the drainage ditch which is just a little swale alongside the driveway which has risen up get on the opposite side of that clear whatever you have to clear and run it along that far side of the ditch well i'm not here because they they hadn't even got the water to my house so i'm not obviously living there i'm still living in my old house that, that i'm working on selling to pay for this house and these morons put in the water line and run it right down the bottom of the drainage ditch it's not a ditch it's just a swale where water collects and, all, and flows off, except in several areas it just stays. But we found frogs in them every once in a while, and gig them. Um But people kept pulling off when other cars passed in the driveway and they go down and a tire goes down a foot into the water line and cracks the pipe. That probably happened four times The the summer and fall they built this house. So we had a lot of dirt in our lines. And I remember being the brave one who tried the ice out of the ice maker from our uh, tap water. And I got a 24-hour bug. And so no one else in the house will drink water out of the faucet still. Even though I've got, they'll use the ice out of the refrigerator. But I've got a filter on that too. For some reason they won't drink the uh, filtered water out of the tap on cold. We're not in Babylon. Thank goodness. You know, the things you can do in, in the country when uh, the food source goes out is you can go out and hunt your food. You can go out and, and, and I mean, it's just like being being a native. You can hunt and gather, as long as you know what to look for. You know, you, have you heard of a plant called a thistle? It's a real needly-looking, spiny, leafy plant that grows a tall stalk. With a real beautiful, fluffy kind of—it's uh, not a flower. It is a flower head, but it doesn't look like a flower. It's just a big puff ball. It looks like a mop turned upside down and rigid, but smaller. You can pare all that down, and it—and it's uh, like eating celery. I've eaten it. They say that when Lee surrendered to Grant at Appomattox in 1865 during the Civil War. And uh, everyone was free to go home. They had to walk. And the Confederates had to walk home because all the rails were busted up in the South. There were no railroads. They had to be rebuilt. And because they were walking from Virginia through lands that had seen multiple battles and had multiple armies staying on it or passing through it from both sides, All the food that was on the land or in store on the houses and and buildings and towns were gone. People were eating whatever they could find. The animals in the wild were hunted out. And it was rumored, it's been said, that if it weren't for thistle, a weed that grows in the spring and summer in fields and pastures, that the men walking home from war across the South would have starved to death. And that's an interesting fact there. That should have been on. (laughs) Mind-blowing fact number 44. I bet that episode was only funny because I would jump to mind-blowing fact. When I said it, the rest of it was BS. Although they were facts. Um, oh wow, I hadn't even gotten into this part of modern Babylon. This is, this is a theory of mine. I won't say it's a conspiracy theory because there were, there were gays going way, way back and there's nothing wrong with being gay and there's nothing wrong with gays. Don't try to sit there and make my kid gay or make him think he's gay. You know, let, let him figure that out on his own. It's none of your damn business. That includes the education system, by the way. I don't know the school there in now won't do that, but there's colleges that just people are weird in colleges. But it seems like as crazy as this gender identification stuff has gotten, it's all in the big cities. You go into the country, you go back to your roots, you go back to the wild and you don't find homosexual life not really asexual sure um you don't find it in the uh in the flora and the fauna because most of them need each other the sex the female plants the male plants the female animals the male animals and uh gay's been around a while and 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 they do gravitate to cities and and that's fine but now we've got these transgenders and these and these men that identify as women and then run run and compete in these uh competitions against women and and win because they have male bodies but they identify as women it, it's crazy And I think these kind of things happen because they're in a city where it's concrete under your feet. There's people everywhere. Everyone wants to be different. Everyone wants to be individual. But you're in the midst of a million people. So you've got to get crazier looking and crazier looking. And so we've gone through tattoos and we've gone through piercings. And now we've gone through multiple tattoos and multiple piercings. Now facial tattoos and 25 piercings. And eighteen different colored hair, and that's fine. That's your thing. Do your thing. Do your thing. But when people have to eclipse that, they're cutting off their penises, or they're having penises sewn on, or they're having implants. You know, butt implants, breast implants, botox shot into your face. I mean, be be go natural. Why can't we all just go natural? You don't want to, fine, I get it. Don't do it. But uh, I I just wonder if if you'd have stayed in a more natural atmosphere, would you be where you are today with a body covered in tattoos and 55 piercings and an adedictomy and you hate everybody that's not like you? And that's that's stereotypical because that's probably just you know, 0.01% of uh, most medium-sized cities. That's a total guess. I don't know. I'm not a pro. These are things to think about. These modern Babylons have got people turned up on time. These modern Babylon... Okay, I'm going to try one more time. I'm going to take some tea. These modern Babylons have people turned on their heads and they don't know who they are. And so they manufacture who they want to be and it works for them or maybe it doesn't and they're never happy. But I don't don't see that in my little town of Canton, which is 80% black and I hold the door open for every woman I see coming in or leaving a store And say, yes ma'am, no ma'am. And they smile and are kind to me as I am kind to them. And that's all you got to do to make the world go round. And so I'm not hating on these Babylonians in these big cities. But you can have it. You know, you can have it. I'm weird enough without tattoos and piercings and injections and whatever, what have you. You know, it's a crazy world. Why make it crazier? Uh, Really, what I I wanted to do was reel it back and say, after I hold the door open and say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. That's what we all need to be doing. Treat women with respect. Treat your fellow man kindly. Be good people. And what we really need to do these days is wash our hands and use hand sanitizer and quit picking your nose and eating your boogers and don't pick your friend's nose and eat their boogers and uh don't kid around with this uh coronavirus thing it's it's killing people and it's and it's starting to take uh iconic people who have made a lot of people happy and I don't like to idolize anybody because they're just people too and they're finding that out so my name is Harry my middle name is Marshall after my great uncle last name is Day and I hope you enjoy the show and I hope you listen some more I wish you'd pass it on let other people know about it Um, I just got my new Novel in. I got three boxes of my new novel, Goddamn LA. It's fiction. Go to HarryMday.com and you can read more about it. You can order one from me if you want. Peace. Peace. When you win. No sure. yeah.